Wait a minute. You, this is Pastor Teeter here, welcoming you to another episode of our revolutionary podcast where my job is to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And so today we are ending the mini series of the greater series called The End, the study of the book of Revelation. And today is the conclusion of the mini series of the wrath of God. And it has been very encouraging uh, to go through this, which is weird to say because it's like that one part of God. It's like really like no one wants to look at, but there is a great blessing and benefit for those that focus and don't shy away from this very real side of God. So without further ado, let's bring an end to this mini series on the wrath of God and why it matters to us today. The longest series I've ever done. We're at three months. Next week, we're going to finish this series. So we're going to get to the end of this series called The End, the book of the study of the book of Revelation next Sunday. But uh, out of all of the three and a half months that we've been discussing, I want to make sure that you, everybody here, if this is your first time watching online in here, then I'm going to give you something to hold on to. Because the most important thing that we've been doing is not trying to figure out how is the world going to end or is the world going to end right this year? Because it's kind of been one of those things. My favorite meme about 2020 is someone saying, you know, man, I can't wait for New Year's Day for 2021, but what if 2020 was just a trailer for 2021, right? And I was like, oh my gosh. But so we're not trying to do that because listen, the book of Revelation, if there was one thing out of three months I wanted you to remember was this, the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The whole point of this book was to reveal how great Jesus is. And we're not seeing him like a humble servant savior, friend, right? We're not seeing him like that because the picture of Revelation gives us a unique picture of Jesus as a reigning king. Despite all the craziness, despite all the, 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 the stuff that happens in Revelation, Jesus is the reigning king. He's above it all. And he's not only going to win in the end, but not only is he the reigning king, he's also the returning king. And those are the two things that we need to constantly remember as we look at this. So today what we're going to look at is we're going to finish this like mini series inside of the series. So for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the wrath of God and the fact that so many of y'all keep coming back when this is the topic, man, something's either, something's either wrong with y'all, all right, or something's right, really right because man, that, that's a hard topic, right, to, to focus on and to keep just, I'm here for another one, let's go, give it to me, man. And so today we're going to finish what is the wrath of God. As it's being poured out, as we look in the book of Revelation, because that's the side of Jesus that no one wants. And nobody wants that side of Jesus. We want the Christmas Jesus. We want the Easter Jesus. We don't want the end of the world Jesus, because that Jesus don't play games. But we need to know who he is, and that's an important one. So today we're going to do a flyover of four chapters. So I want to challenge you to read it at home, and I'm going to give you enough handles that when you read it, you're like, okay, I think I get it. Because these are very, four very difficult chapters that are full with a lot of um, symbolisms and analogies. And so I want to give you the biggest handle because these last four chapters are giving us the retelling and the kind of the summary of not only how God is dealing with the devil now, but how he will deal with him forever. Okay, so this is the the final wrath of God poured out over, said and done. Next week, it's like, you know, all the happy stuff. So you'll see, it'll be fun. But anyways, here's the thing, guys. As we're gonna look at how God is going to deal with the devil, not only now, but then, this is important because in us learning 
how God is dealing and will deal with the devil actually helps us to learn how to deal with darkness today. You see that? Knowing how God is going to deal with the devil one day helps us to know how we in Christ can deal with darkness today. And the thing is, is that you guys have to realize if you are on the wrong side, when it's all said and done, whether the world ends or your life ends, if you are on the wrong side, God is going to deal with you the same way he was going to deal with the devil. And that's what we're going to see here. And that's not what I want from you. And listen, that's not what God wants from you. That's why God made a way out through the cross, all right, so that God does not have to deal with you like he's going to deal with him. Because if you die in that condition, if you are, on, if you are not on God's side, he's going to deal with you like he's going to deal with him. And you can't switch sides last minute. Listen, my kids have a phrase. When they play video games, they, they play like Madden and FIFA and different stuff with, with each other. They have, they've termed a phrase called rage quitting. Rage quitting. Rage quitting is when they're both playing a game and one of them is just getting beat down so bad that they don't want to finish the game losing. So they'll go into the menu setting, take their controller off the losing team and either just leave and it's like, I'm done, or shift it all the way to the winning team because my kids are competitive. They don't like to lose. So they call it rage. Dad, he raged quit again because they're so upset that they just quit the game. Listen, you can't rage quit at the end of your life. You can't realize, uh-oh, Jesus is real. Menu settings, okay? You can't do that. Only Jesus can do that. Only by faith in Christ can he switch you over. And that's why it's so important. Because if you don't, God's going to deal with you the same way he's going to deal with the devil. And so that's the topic. So let's look. So you're hopefully it's like, oh, no, Jesus, no, not, not today, not today. Okay, let's look. I got one verse, uh, and then we got another verse later. Revelation 16, 19. Here's what it says. Revelation chapter 16, verse 19. This is during the seventh bowl judgment. So for those of you that have been watching it, you know, catching up, God is pouring out his wrath on the world. There were seven different levels. You had seal judgments, trumpet judgments. The bowl judgments were the worst of the worst, the finals of the finals. This is happening during the final bowl judgment. Okay? If we can put it on the screen so everybody can see it. Verse 19. The great city, some believe it to be Jerusalem, split into three parts. And the cities of the nation fell. Here's the key word and the key phrase I wanted to look at today. Babylon the Great was remembered in God's presence. He gave her the cup filled with the wine of his, look at that adjective, fierce wrath. I, I don't have the voice to say that right, fierce wrath. I don't have the right, you know, to, I can't say it right. But Babylon is going to get the cup of God's fierce wrath. Now, who is Babylon? And this is the one we're going to look at today. Babylon in the scriptures, anytime you see it, first off in the Old Testament, Babylon is Babylon. It was a real historical empire, historical nation. But Babylon is a spiritual representation of a de the demonic kingdom of the devil. Okay, So every time you see Babylon, Babylon the Great in the New Testament, and really in the Old Testament, it is a, it is a representation, simile, an analogy for the kingdom of the devil. So here, right now, this is the seventh bowl, the final one has been poured out right before at the beginning of chapter 16. It actually says that the angel pours it and throws it not on the earth like all the others, but he throws it up into the sky. So this bowl is just tossed up, right, into the air. And this is the sign of Jesus's, he's coming. Like, this is it. This is the moment when Jesus is returning. So this is why it's at the end of the end. He, he is returning. The bowl is thrown up. The angel declares, it is finished. No more wrath is being poured out. And Babylon the Great has been remembered, meaning God is keeping tabs 
of the devil, everything he's ever done. So when it's come, when it's time for his due, he's going to get it. Okay, you see that? When it's time, it's gonna be, he, he ain't going to remember, he ain't going to forget one little thing that he ever did to his people. And he's going to get it at that point. And so what's interesting is that this bowl was thrown up into the air, not on the earth. And that because that the air represents the spiritual realm. In fact, in the scriptures, it says that the devil is the prince of the power of the air. So this judgment is being poured out on the satanic spiritual realm. That's what that, this is what this means. But it's also a celebratory thing, right? Like, have you ever, again, have you ever seen people when they're excited, they throw things in the air? You ever seen that? You ever somebody do that, right? You throw up, a, you know, if you're, I, I have kids, so sometimes I'd be so excited, like if my team won or something happened, I'd, I'd throw one of my kids up in the air, right? You do things like that. The Rays yesterday, right? What was it? The, um, oh my gosh, the hero, I'm, I'm forgetting his name, my bad guy. You know, he throws his helmet up in the air, right? Graduation, have you ever taken your cap and chuck it up in the air, right? So we celebrate by throwing things in the air. And so this judgment was not only judgment on the spiritual realm, but it's almost like, it was a celebratory thing. Like, it's over. God, it's happening. It's finally happening. God's doing it. He's going to fix it all. He's going to end this whole thing in the positive and start something new. So that's the exciting part about it. But what we're going to do now, because we're going to look at chapter 17, 18, 19, and 20, and we're going to fly over it because, you know, we can't get lost in the details. I want to encourage you to read it. If you have questions, tomorrow, every, uh, online, everybody here, we have a Facebook community group where I do a live Q&A on anything that we want that I talked about, didn't talk about every Monday night. So it's at 8.30. So if you guys want to chime in on some of the details, we can. But what we're going to look at right now, 6, 17, 18, 19, and 20, is technically a retelling of what is happening at the result of this judgment that's poured up in the air. So even though we're reading sequential chapters, things aren't happening in order. It's kind of like this happened and then whoop, rewind. This was happening at the same time. Whoop, rewind. Y'all follow? So that's kind of where we're at. So Let's look at verse 17. Chapter 17 is God bringing judgment on the spiritual demonic. I'm sorry, not the spiritual. God is bringing judgment on the devil's religious system. So when you look at chapter 17, and we're not going to show up any verses in there, but all of 17 is God judging Satan's religious system. Now, what you see is you see this woman called a harlot, prostitute, a hoe, okay, whatever you want to call it. All right, that's what she is. That's it's in there. That's what it is. All right, you can add an O-R in it, and that's what God, how God is pretty much describing this individual. And so, um, now I was like, Mama, what is a, sorry. Okay, listen, this is who she is. And we see this woman, and she's riding on the back of a beast. And so this woman is the false prophet that we talked about the last two weeks. The false prophet represents the false religious system that leads people, that leads people into false worship. So this is every Every religious idea, ideology, movement that is not rooted in the gospel, that is leading people to worship anything, anyone other than the one living God. That's what this represents. And God, in the end, will bring judgment on every demonic force that has led people to worship anything, anyone other than, okay, other than God. Now, this same woman, she's riding on the back of the beast. And so we see this combination. It's the Antichrist, which is the beast, and the, the harlot, the woman, which is the false prophet, in tandem weren't coming together. So here is a, the false religious system riding into power on the back of a false political system. That's what this is. The devil likes to have this unholy mix of church and state. 
Okay, I want you to understand that. The devil has an unholy mix of church and state. Here in America, you might be accustomed to hearing the phrase separation of church and state, which people don't still understand. And really, to give you a quick one, the separation of church and state means that we have laws that limit the state from controlling and manipulating the church. It doesn't mean that the church cannot influence, or not. when I say the church, I'm talking about every religious institution. It doesn't mean that religious institutions cannot influence the state because that's a worldview, and so that's a part of who you are. A non-religious view is a religious view, okay? You, you get that? So atheists, there's no way that you as an individual cannot you know, influence the state. The, the religious institutions, especially the church, we're called to influence the state. But the rules were, hey, there's a separation, meaning the state can't take you over because they saw that. They saw the manipulation of if the state can control the religious institutions, it can control people so much easier. That's what the separation is supposed to be. But see, that's why notice that here we have the woman riding the beast. Because the devil wants that connection together. Because if they can get a false political system to operate inside with in tandem with a false political system, with a religious system, it's easy to manipulate the masses. And remember, the, the false prophet is the one who brings the mark of the beast. Because the mark of the beast is meant to force people to worship the Antichrist or worship, not, not to worship God. And you know what? Remember, I, I didn't say this last week, so I got to mention it. The mark of the beast it was no, there was one thing about it. If you didn't take the mark, what did the scripture says? That off, you know, off with your heads, right? Whatever, if you like a little Alice in Wonderland reference there, okay? So off with their heads, right? Why their heads? Now, do I, I believe that could this be in the future? Yes, if you don't accept, you die. Just how, how many Marxist, socialists, I mean, how many of these things do we not see that if you don't comply, you die, right? That's what it is. That's history. I believe that could still happen in the future, but interesting that they remove the head because what do what does the head have two things your mouth and your brain the false political system the false religious system that is gaining to try to get you to mark your thinking that we talked about mark your living those who do not those who oppose this watch the false prophet system is alive today because it is trying to silence anyone that has an opposing voice and trying to keep you from thinking. That's right there. So you, when you see companies that are suppressing truth, suppressing information, that's Mark, that, that's Mark of the Beast false prophet system. Where it's like, oh, if you, are, you speak a kind of way, we cut off their accounts. We, we cut, you know how many Christian accounts even this week alone from prominent Christians were just deleted? Why? Because they don't comply with our standard of deleted and, and, and that's what happens. They suppress certain truth. That, that, is, that is literally, that is how this plays out. It, they're cutting off our heads, cutting off our voices. And here's why freedom of speech is so important. Because speech, if you are not able to freely speak, you are not able to freely think. That's why it's so important. Because to be free to speak is also free to think. And that's why it's so important. So the, the beast will do, and the devil is trying to do everything right now to suppress the truth of God, to suppress those who have a voice, who have influence, to silence them, to get people not to buy in and to think. Remember, because he wants them to buy into their system. He does. It's crazy. But you know what the woman was holding right before? She said she was adorned with jewelry and holding a beautiful cup. But in that cup, was full with all kind of darkness and iniquity, sin and poison. And that's what the false religious system always offers us. 
On the outside, it looks beautiful. On the outside, it looks godly. On the outside, it sounds godly. It feels godly. But it's ideologies and ways of thinking that are full of poison. That if we drink from that cup, it will not lead us to worship the true living God. In fact, it will lead us to be a part of the different side. This is serious. It's important. So God's going to bring judgment on this person. And then finally, chapter 18. Now the beast is the beast from 17 is reworded. And now we see that name come up that we just read in chapter 16, Babylon the Great. So Babylon the Great represents the entirety of the demonic, the devil system, but it's also the political system. So chapter 18, God's going to bring judgment on the demonic political systems of this world. It says, it, it has this amazing description. It calls it, it is a home for demons. A home for demons. That's crazy. I mean, I don't know about you. Would you want to live in that home if you knew it was full of? I mean, one time, me and my parents, we were trying to buy a house. Me, like, I was trying to buy a house. I was like 10, okay? So I wasn't trying to buy a house. My parents were trying to buy a house. And, um, and we were there, and I remember going with them, and it looked nice. And I remember seeing a bunch of bees outside. And uh, they didn't put an offer down. Nothing uh, comes out. Before they put an offer down, that house was on the news. And it was, called, it was here in Tampa. It was called the Bee House. Because apparently, the walls were full with bees, I mean, they just created a nest all over. So I'm glad we didn't put that, you know, because I'm like, um, yeah, I ain't trying to live in no bee house, okay? I ain't trying to live in no bee house, so they didn't put the deposit down. Worse, a home full of demons. And, and so here, I want you guys to know that what does the devil want? The devil, his desires have never changed since the beginning. He wants people to worship him instead of worshiping God. And he wants to rule us like God. So that false religious system is what he wants. He's like, I want the worship for me. That's why the beast eventually also is going to consume the beauty. Because there's gonna, the beauty is going to lead people to think they're worshiping the living God, but they're not. But eventually the devil don't even want people. He's not going to be happy with people thinking that they're worshiping God. No, he wants them to know they're worshiping him. That's how... That's how self-conceited he is. That's what he wants. And this political system is the same. It is everything that God has that, um, that, well, yeah, that God has that the devil wants to do. He wants to rule us like if he was God. That's why it is, so, it is a house full of demons. And you see, this is why politics is, look, I know it. Online, who's ready for this whole political season to be over, right? Who's ready, right? And as I know a lot of you don't want to participate, don't want to, like, I just can't, man. Because, oh, they're just corrupt and this or that. Yeah, because power is one of those things that corrupts so bad. And power is what the devil wants. And it's what, it's, it, it drives and attracts demons to get us in positions of power that really can control you. This ain't about individuals. This is a spiritual thing. I want you guys to know that politics is, is spiritual. Politics is nothing but spiritual principles applied. Y'all get me? That's politics. Politics is nothing but spiritual principles put into practice in regarding governing one another. And I know it's hard because, oh, this is so disgusting. You're right, because it's the whole system is just full of demons, right? It, that's what it is. And even as Christians, we're, we're going to see what, what is our involvement, because Jesus has a word in here. But this is why it's so important. And when it's sad, when you read chapter 18, God brings judgment on this system and the nations of the world that bought into this system, the nations of the world that did business with the Babylon the Great. They're going to be lamenting. Chapter 18 says, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Like it was going so good. It was such a great idea. Why is it not working? Why did it? And they're going to mourn the judgment that is happening on this system. You know what's sad? Here we see 
the rich and the powerful and the people mourning this false political system and no one is mourning their sin. That's the problem. They're mourning that. And they say, man, how come? Man, we had this great idea of this great situation, right? And it just got brought judgment on it because, nope, it in the end, he'll give us what we want. But it, because he loves people too much, it's like, all right, up to here. I had enough. All right, bringing it down. And that's history. And that's also this today. But, but and here's, here's why God will always bring judgment, has brought judgment, and will bring ultimate judgment in the end. is because the false political system of the devil always dehumanizes humans. In fact, when the people, if when you read chapter 18, I want you to read it. They're mourning all of the things that, oh my gosh, we can't do business anymore. And, and it's a list of gold, silver, this, that, th- things that they would trade with. And you know what the final thing was, the final product that they were trading? Humans, slaves. The, see, we are made, according to God, we are made in the image of God. It's, we bear the image of God. Maybe your, your image might be, you know... Um, look a little blurry, okay? Maybe, maybe the image is a little blurry, but you bear the image of God. You are unique compared to all of creation, yet the devil doesn't want to do that. Every false political system always, this is how you know it's demonic, when it begins to dehumanize humans and begins to put humans on pedestals or, you know, hey, you got this class, this class, greater than that class, more oppressed than that class. Like, it, it, when it goes so far and it dehumanizes humans, now it just sees humans as another pawn. Humans are a product, that's how it always ends. When you look at all of these, I mean, when you got like the, the roots, of, of, roots of Marxism, socialism, progressivism, so many other things, in the end, people are just pieces. They're just pieces. That's what it is. It's a pie, pieces to a bigger game. That's why they're willing to surrender and allow so many people to die. And I mean, it's, it's, that's what it is. You're nothing but a piece. You're not a person. And, and God will bring, and that's why God brings judgment on these nations. And, and notice, look at history just in the last hundred years. How many times have we not see, oh my gosh, another, another attempt to at socialism. Oh, it's a disaster. Venezuela, we almost had it. Yeah, right. Oh man, you know, let's try it again. <laughs> you know, like I, I think maybe next time. Let's do this next time. And it always ends in the destruction of people. And so you know what God tells here in chapter 18? You know what he tells him in verse four? He says, my people come out of her. Come out of that system. Come out of that system. That's in Revelations 18, verse 4. Come out of that system. Now, some people take that translation to say, see, as Christians, we're not supposed to participate in anything politics. This is wicked. This is demonic. Nah, whatever. Uh, no, okay? Just because God is saying don't, he says come out of that, means don't play by their game. Don't play by that game. He's not saying don't get in the game. Because as believers, we're supposed to expand the kingdom of God in every area of life. Every area of life. So we're not supposed to play by their game. But it doesn't mean that we're not supposed to be a part of the game. And that's why at our prayers, our interactions, voting, so many things matter. Our interactions matter because those are decisions that control people. And if the, if the light stands out and if the light gets out of that system, there will be nothing but what? Darkness. People hurt, lives destroyed. Out of love. And I know you might not love it. You might not love that, but out of love for people, we have to engage. We have to pray. We have to discuss. We have to have those awkward conversations because if we don't, our neighbors, our family, you, your kids, it matters. And so here's why. I'm going to give you one thing. I'm I'm, going to go for both sides. So here we go. You ready? I'm going to just drop this quick, and we're going to move on to the most important thing because this is why. This is what I mean. It's so important we engage in this because, again, this false political system dehumanizes humans. 
And so if you want to vote for one party, right, which, by the way, Democrats, it, it, is, a, oof, it is a smorgasbord of different you know, varieties of, of all over the cost of spectrum. Same thing for Republicans. Just because you, you know, you're one Republican doesn't mean that all Republicans agree. It's just this great variety. We just kind of, everybody just teams up into two groups. If you're going to vote for one party, understand there will never be a perfect party. Never. Because this is full. We're all humans. We're all sinners. There's people that are sinners. So there'll never be a perfect platform. So as Christians, our goal is not to think, all right, I'm going to vote based on my party platform. No, we always vote and interact based on God's principles, not party platforms, God's principles. And there is no party that is so perfect. And as a Christian, if you're going to vote Democrat, then listen, I because there's things you like, I do it. But you have to be. Every area of that platform that is not under the authority of God, you got to speak against it. You might vote for that party, but don't mean that you give them a pass. You see that? Same thing for Republicans. If you're going to vote Republican because of this, 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 this matches your godly principles, all right, cool. But the Republican Party platform ain't perfect neither. So you better make sure that you're calling them out just as much as you would be willing to call out the other and call this into, hey, guys, this way. Because every party, because of our sin, is always going to want to go more towards more towards a demonic form if we don't act and we don't put our anchor down, all right? That's what matters. And here's why, for example, even like the pro-life thing is so important because everybody criticizes, right? Oh, pro-life, right? Uh, Oh, Christians only care about the baby before they're born. That's the criticism. People only care about the baby before they're born. After they're born, they can care less. No, here's why this pro-life matters even for those of you who are alive. Because, again, this is one of those that I'm talking about. So if you're going to vote for that, fine. But here's the thing. You can't, you know, I'll say it this way. If you're going to vote for somebody, if you're going to vote for somebody who believes that we can determine who can live or die, you are giving that person power to determine how you are going to live. I'm going to say that one again. Okay? So if you vote for someone that has and believes we determine who should live or die, You are putting someone in power that will determine and create laws that will determine how you are going to live, regardless if you like it or not. Those that that is what, you know, they will vote for traditionally. You can look it up policies that are going to limit your choices, which is ironic. Pro-choice, you're actually voting for less choices, which is ironic there. You're giving up one choice. You're you're receiving one choice for the uh, for the other. And so, all right, you're going to vote for that? Fine, but you got to call that out. As believers in Christ, we got to call that out because babies are born in the image of God. It's the same thing. But then again, oh, you want to vote for the other party? Listen, there's some people who say that they're pro-life too, but no, they just say it because it's lip service. Just because they know. I say it. Oh, I got you. I got your vote. And they're still going to, you know, try to rule your life. So this is why we have to be careful. We don't play by their game. But it doesn't mean that we don't participate in the game. Does that, did that make sense? You don't play. You don't, you don't give one side the pass. No, we are called to call everyone under and say, no, we point them to Jesus. And the gospel is the only thing that brings that balance. The gospel is the only thing that will actually allow us to be able to do what, you know, really what both attempt to do and can't. It's the gospel. It's the church that we are called to literally be that third option. That's what matters. And so we are that balance to lead people from, look, how, there is a way that you can have appreciation for your nation without going into adoration, without worshiping your nation. And then there's a way that we can also be a part of, of the society and the world without abandoning the individual. And so the gospel is the only thing that finds that balance that can actually accomplish both. But because we're not perfect 
And the devil wants to rule everybody. There's where he is very active in this realm. And God is going to bring ultimate judgment on this system. Ultimate in the end, fully. And then you got chapter 19. And this is where it kind of really picks up. This is pretty cool. Chapter 19 now. You get a pray, you get a, a break, and we look up into the sky, and here we see Jesus riding as he's a rider on a white horse. Not like the one that we talked about earlier. That was kind of like a fake Jesus. This is Jesus, Jesus, all right? And he's now riding in, meaning this is the end. Remember I told you, this is the end. Jesus is charging in to restore all things, bring final judgment on all things. He is riding in with riders that we don't know. According to the scripture, it says the saints, but that word can easily be translated as angels or believers in Christ Jesus. So maybe we're going to be riding behind him, maybe not, whatever. But we just know Jesus is going to do it. And so he's riding in, and at this point, he goes and we see, he, he just finishes this battle. He, judge, he judges uh, the, you know, satanic realm and all these things. And then, but w- what I love the most actually was right at the beginning. Verse eight, verses 1 through 10 of 19. I want you guys to read it later. It's this praise break. Like all of heaven is just going insane right now. They're going nuts in worship because they see what's happening. It's like, again, have you ever seen a, either a football game, basketball game? Have you ever seen a sports game where the, the, the man... <laughs> The score is so lopsided, right? And it's going 30, 29. It's, it's 28 seconds left. And everybody knows it's over, right? But there's still time on the clock, right? You know that? There, it, the game is over, but there's still time on the clock. But the players are just so excited that everyone just bum rushes the field, right? Before the clock is over. Everyone's rushing the field. Everyone's celebrating, though the time is there's still time on the clock. But there's not enough time for a comeback. That's what's happening in heaven in chapter 19. Everybody's seeing, oh my gosh, it's... Guys, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Ten, nine. Man, forget this. Let's go. And, every, and so all of heaven is breaking out in worship as they're seeing Jesus taking the field. And everyone is just, that, that's what this is. It's, so, it's, it's very exciting. It's an ultimate climax. And so here, it, it, it ends whew, with a very scary moment. Chapter 20 now. We see Jesus binds the devil for a thousand years. And all of humanity that is not saved, that did not believe in Christ, will be before the great white throne of judgment. Look, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, this ain't you. The great white throne is for everyone who has refused faith in Christ. The books of life will be open. Those who are not there will be condemned and be treated like the devil himself, be condemned to, to hell. But how do you get your life in? How do you get your name in the, in the book of life? You just got to accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior. You surrender his life. That's what you do. In faith, that's how it happens. He writes you in his book with his, with his own blood. That's what it is. But at this moment, this is when I, we can't, we don't got the time. This is why I did a whole day on it about why a thousand years. You know, is this a literal thousand years? This is where the millennium kind of comes in. I did a sermon on this a couple weeks ago. Is Jesus going to rule on earth for a thousand years? Or is this thousand years an age that we are living in right now where the devil is bound? Like the devil is no longer uncontested in this world. And so we don't know, okay? It could be one or the other. What we do know, which is crazy, is this. That after that thousand years, whatever it is, the devil is released and he will then lead another wave against, he will lead the nations of the world and one more refinal rebellious act against God. And that's when God, all right, we're done. Right, get out of here, all right? And he deals with the devil forever. And he will never be free to roam ever again. He'll be condemned to the lake of fire forever. But that detail is interesting because imagine Jesus living on earth for a thousand years. There will be people who will be born during that thousand years, if that's literal, 
It will be people who are born that will see and will know. You know, the, the number one news sites will all be right on Jerusalem as we'll see Jesus reigning. Everybody will know, yo, there's a God there. It's a little different. And for people to live in that time and still be like, nah, I don't buy it. <laughs> I don't buy it. He's he, he nice and all, but nah. Wow. Like, cause that's, if, so if that's the thousand years going to happen, oh my gosh. And think about that. The devil on time out for a thousand years, you don't think he'd be like, I got I to gotta really reevaluate my choices. <laughs> you know, you think a thousand years would not be enough time to like, my bad. Look, humanity, look. My bad, okay? My bad. I got, I got caught up. I, I, I got caught up, and it was, I got carried away. Will you forgive me? Like, you know, but for whatever, even if it's for an age or a thousand years, it shows that the devil had not changed. And it also shows that humans, like, man, wow, what would cause that change in us? But in the end, chapter 20 finishes. God brings everything to wraps up, and boom, it's over. And next week, we're going to pick it up with the final celebration as things are kind of happening. So if you're a Star Wars fan, that's kind of like the whole everyone celebrating all the Jabberwockies. Well, listen to that. Some of y'all going to get that. You know, all the Ewoks and all that stuff kind of celebrating, whatever. But anyways, here's the thing. Why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about how God dealt with and is dealing and all that? Because here's the thing that John wanted the apostles and, and the followers back then for us to know. Here's kind of the big handle. There's always going to be a Babylon because there is a devil. There's always going to be a Babylon a system that is going to lead us to either try to control us or lead us away from following God, leading us to worship anything other than the one true God. There's always going to be a Babylon. John himself said it in 1 John 2.8. Many antichrists have already come 2,000 years ago, and many more still to come. There's always going to be a Babylon. There will always be an antichrist until the final one comes. There will always be someone that will try to rule people, control people that has a great idea. There will always be a religious system that is going to pull us away. There will always be a, an Armageddon. There will always be a battle between the spiritual realm and the darkness realm until the final one happens. There's always going to be one. But when we look at the end of Revelation, we know that we won't always have to deal with this. There will always be a Babylon until Jesus comes, and then we will no longer have to deal with this. Because here's the bottom line of really when it comes to the wrath of God. Remember, what does Babylon mean? The demonic system, the devil, and everything wrapped up in it. And here's the one good news that we walk out of here today with this. Babylon is going to get a beat down. That's what we see here in this book. That's what we see, that what God is going to do, Babylon, is going to get a beat down, is and will continue up until the very end. Babylon is going to get a beat down, and because we know Babylon is going to get a beat down, you and I can keep our heads up, knowing that, yeah, I might have to struggle with this, but because, the, because God dealt with the devil on the cross, because no longer can the devil operate uncontested in this world, because of the spirit of the living God here, because God has dealt with the devil on the cross, because he dealt with the devil on the grave, because he's dealing with him now and he's going to deal with him then, I can deal with whatever I'm going through in Christ Jesus right now. That's what I mean. That's what we're saying. Because Babylon is going to get that beat down, we can keep our heads up. So whatever it is, fill in the blank, how, I'm going, how am I going to deal with divorce? How am I going to deal with parenting? How am I going to deal with my loss of a job? How am I going to deal with my losing a loved one? How am I going to deal with getting sick? How am I going to deal with not having friends? How am I going to deal with anxiety, fear, worry? How am I going to deal with all of that? Well, alone, you don't have to because when you know that God has given death a death blow on the cross 
and you know that he's going to come in and fix it all in the end, when you know that's going to happen, that God is to do, that Jesus is the reigning king coming back, and we can have that hope. We can have that hope that will lead us to fill the air. Remember, what was that bold judgment? Where did it get tossed up into? Right? The bold judgment got tossed up into the what? Into the air. You know what? This is why you and I need to fill the air with our worship. We need to fill the air with our worship, our victory cry, our worship, our prayers. Because, hey, we're reminding. This is, that's what we do because what Jesus has done. Now we can fill the air with our worship and celebrate up until the end, whatever that looks like. And let me read you a verse here. Let's look at one last verse, 2 Corinthians. And I got an image that y'all ain't never going to forget. Here we go. 2 Corinthians 2.14. This is the same reason, this is what the book of Revelation means to us, and Paul is communicating this to this church. Let's put it up, 2 Corinthians 2, 14. But thanks be to God, who, how many times? Always leads, who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession, and through us spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. How often is God going to lead us in that triumphal march? How often? Always. He will always lead us into that. Have you ever used that phrase or heard someone say, oh, the sweet smell of victory? You ever heard that? The sweet smell of victory? Right? In Rome, which, by the way, the Corinthians understood, when Rome would win their battles, I said this a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to remix it. When Rome would win their battles, Caesars and the armies would come to Rome. They would invite all of Rome to come out of the, the town, out of the city, to join the army and to walk in a victory parade. And so the people who did not fight the battle get to participate like if they did. You see that? And they would enter in and Rome would be full with this sweet smell. And as they're walking, they're, they're filling the air with praise. They're filling the air with that aroma of, of just joy that our, our armies have won. That's the image that we're seeing when Jesus is riding on that white horse with the saints behind him. That it is not just gonna something that is going to happen. I want you to, that's going to happen, but it is also happening right now in the spiritual realm where Jesus is leading the charge, expanding the kingdom of God right now. He is leading us through that triumphal procession, victory over the enemy, and we are to fill the air with the sweet aroma of the knowledge of God. We are to fill the air with the sweet aroma of our worship as we're declaring our great God, the victory that we have in him. That is, as believers, what we are called to do. And I'm going to remix that because this is what it kind of looks like. All right, let me put a modern-day version of this triumphal procession. Can we put that picture up on the... I want you to leave the picture up until the next thing comes out. All right, this is, look, modern-day procession, right? Here it is, right? You bust... Oh, wait, uh, is, is that the Miami Dolphins? Yes, it is. Is, is that happen to be Tua Tungo Vailoa? Yes, it is. Okay. Some of y'all know. Now you know where I stand. Anyways, so look at this. This is at the beginning of the game. At the beginning of the game, right, every, everyone is charging in, and they're taking the field. But you know what's interesting right now? If there was, that's an NFL team that you're seeing on the screen. If there, was a, if there was a high school team, a middle school team on the field, does that middle school team have a shot of winning? No, not against an NFL team with some grown men. That middle school team ain't going to win. So the second that that NFL team steps on the field, the game is over. Are you right? You get me? The game is over. It hadn't even started and it's over. In Revelation, as Jesus is riding on the white horse into the earth, you know he is calling out the victory even before it's over. He's doing the same thing. The second, listen, I want you to know that. 
that that is what the enemy is, that we follow Christ with that triumph knowing the game is over, guys. Yeah, there's still time on the clock, but the game is over. And so we live like that. We live with that victory knowing that eh, my, something might happen here and there, but the game is over. The devil has lost. Christ has won. We're just running out the clock and we're running up the score. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to run out the clock and run up the score. It only, it's not going to look pretty. Can we put the picture one more time? This is what I'm inspiring. Yeah, I was like, yeah, man, this is who we are. This is who we are. This is what it looks like in reality. Can we put that other video up? This is us. This is us. If you could put the, click the other video, please. I want you to see this. This looks great. I was like, yeah, that's us. Oh, it's not working? Oh, no. I, I can't see. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Did that other thumbs up? Is it playing? There's no audio to it, just so you know. Here's the awkward moment, and I'm going to have to rescue this moment in a second. Can we put the, there he goes. This is expectations, right? But, oh, that's reality. Oh, wait, let's follow Jesus. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on, guys. Wait, give me a second. Oh, wait, no, man. No, wait, hold on, wait. I got you. Jesus, wait for me. Jesus, wait for me. This is the reality of us following Jesus. This is what we look like, guys. This is, this is what we look like. That's what we look like. Okay, back. All right, there we go. Give it up to the tech team. Thank you for saving me, guys, because I didn't know how I was going to pull that one out. All right, listen, I know expectation doesn't look like reality. Expectations are like, yeah, man, let's go. But reality means, oh, wait, hold on, guys. Oh, my God, Jesus, wait. No, hold on. That's us, and that's what it's going to look like. But you know what? The game is still over. The devil is still lost. Jesus still won. Our victory is still secure, even if we don't look pretty. All right, even if we don't look pretty doing it, we're still, the victory's over. It's ours in Christ. And so we know that we can deal with anything because Jesus has dealt with it on the cross. And so listen, if you're a believer, in, if you're not a believer in Christ, if I can get the, we're going to sing one song right now to wrap things up. If, we're, if you're not a believer in Christ, let me challenge you. You can't switch sides last minute when you see, oh, wait, hold on, guys, I'm on the wrong side. Wait a minute, wait, wait, it's too late. You can only do that by putting your faith and trust and confidence in Christ. And all you have to do, if you're watching me online, everybody here, is recognize your great sin but then recognize that you have a great Savior who made a way. And all you have to do to get your name written in the book of life is to ask the Lord Jesus to forgive every sin that you've ever done in your life, both now, past, and future, and he'll do it. And you surrender your life to Christ and say, Lord, help me. I'm, I'm going to be tripping all over myself, but help me follow you. Forgive me, fill me so I can follow you right now. That's it. And he puts your name in the book of life. And now you join the ranks of a bunch of misfit sinners now turned saints. Now you join that family now. And we ought to, just like the seventh bowl was poured up into the sky to bring judgment in the spiritual realm, we need to fill the earth. We need to fill the air with our worship. Because you know what we do when we fill the air with our worship? We're reminding the enemy that it's only going to get worse for them. Y'all hear me on that? When we fill the air with our worship, we're reminding the enemy it's only going to get worse for them. And we're encouraging every one of us around us, it's only going to get better for those in Christ Jesus. That is what we ought to do and live. But let us fill the air with our worship, with our prayer. I told you there was a benefit to looking at the wrath of God because once you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you actually get the complete opposite, not the wrath, but the full force of his love. And man, that love ought to lead us to fill the air, like I said, with our prayers, fill the air with worship, fill the air with our testimony, all right, reminding the enemy that it's only going to get worse for them and reminding ourselves and encouraging one another 
it's only going to get better for those who are in Christ. And as we fill the air, we are doing just that. And we're pointing others who are not on the right side that, listen, hey, there is still time. There is still time. And God is inviting all people to join his side. He made it possible on the cross through the grave. And so that's what a revolutionary is all supposed. That's what a revolutionary is all about is putting Christ at the center, putting Christ at the center. And because of that, the ramifications are for us to look to others, enjoying this life that we have, reflecting this life of joy and to other people and inviting them to participate because there's still room on the roster. There's still room on God's roster. So guys, I want to encourage you. And next week, we're going to wrap up our series on the book of Revelation with the end of all ends, which actually kind of kicks off a new beginning, which I can't wait for that. But until then, keep pursuing Christ, keep following him and keep putting him at the center of all things. God bless you guys.